Hello and welcome to another episode of What High School Did You Go To? I'm Gabe DeVerge. And I'm Chris Hatfield. It is sweet, sweet basketball time in the bluegrass. It is basketball season, Chris. We are back with a full basketball show. It's election eve, but we're not going to talk about politics. We're sticking to sports. We're like the new dead spin. Yeah. We're here. We'll say we'll say the politics talks tomorrow. I mean, honestly, can it be any more stressful of having Louisville open with a conference game, which is weird, and then having the governor's election, one of the more pivotal elections that we've had in the state of Kentucky in quite a while on the same night. To me, that's just like stress for days. And and I mean, we'll we'll you know give some love to the Kentucky fans. Yeah, they're playing as well, yeah. and they're probably going to play nine thirty, ten o'clock. Yeah. Um, I was talking to one of our God, that guests. Sucks. I was talking to one of our guests for tomorrow's live stream that uh, you should listen to if you're listening to this. And I mean, it's going to be Tuesday and uh, you should listen to the live stream tonight. We're going to do it. If you you know go live on Twitch, check the Twitter about it. I'll talk about it here in a little bit. Um, and he was just like, I'm going to be a nervous wreck. You know, <laughs> I'm a wreck already during elections, let alone during a Kentucky basketball game. Right. Uh, <laughs> so definitely going to be a fun night. And we're going to talk about it. As I mentioned, we'll have a Twitch stream, twitch.com slash what high school. And we'll go through the, we'll go through the whole night. So that, that'll be super fun. It is going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Um, we haven't gave a Rick Bettino update on this podcast in quite a while. And I felt like it was just kind of necessary. I'm glad we, we talked about like what we wanted to do to start the show. We finally settled on just talk about Ricky P for we'll a few minutes because Rick it was Bettino. necessary. <laughs> the last like couple pictures from our boy Ricky P on Twitter are him and Montres Harrell and, and Donovan Mitchell and Vinny Tatum. Um, the other one are some guys' names that I can't pronounce at the Breeders' Cup. They all look fabulous. Um, and then the other one is him and David La- Levitch at the Breeders' Cup. And I'm telling you, dude, I really think there's like some aftertouch, some Photoshop, something going oh, no on question. with these photos no because question. Rick is shining. He, he he's on one. He looks, you know, he's on an ultralight beam uh, yeah. coming down to us. The schadenfreude of like him be, you know, like him sitting courtside with Vinny at a uh, at a Clippers game and yeah. just being like, you thought you had me killed, but I'm still here. I'm still out here. I just wouldn't even coach him, man. I, I, I didn't I didn't think I'd be sitting here this late. I thought he would have a job by now, dude. I, 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 he's not going to get a job at this point, obviously, in this season. Maybe next go around, but man, it's I don't want to get into that whole discussion, but it, it's just kind of crazy. It is it is crazy. Where do you think he's going to show up next? Do you, and do you think it's going to be something Louisville related now that the members of the board that he uh, he hates are no longer with the university. I don't know if it'll be where he shows up next, but I think he will come to Kentucky Derby. <laughs> that's that's like, the sign. Uh, but, but, that's the sign that the Ice Age is over if he's back at a derby. Yeah, I mean, particularly if he gets he he's not going to have a derby horse, but I can definitely see a scenario where he has a horse like running on Oaks Day or running on Derby Day in one of the undercards. He, he Rick's not going to miss that opportunity. He's just not. absolutely not. Absolutely not. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, but let's talk about the current Louisville basketball coach Chris Mack, and we'll go ahead and start the show. Coming to you from inside the Waterson Expressway. It's the only podcast that misses cahoots. This is What High School Did You Go To? With your hosts, Chris Hatfield and Gabe DeVerge. And we're back, Chris. 
As we mentioned, this is the all basketball show. It is finally here. The lead up to the madness. We're going to start this journey together, this beautiful, beautiful journey that we call Louisville basketball season. It's finally here, Chris. And so we've got a list of questions, a list of things that we wanted to talk about. Thanks to everyone who sent questions in, had a few people bring things up. Um, Where do you want to start, Chris? There's so much there's so much we could get to. Yeah, I mean. It's it's been a little while since we've been in this it, this anticipated for a basketball season. Honestly, since I can remember, I would say it was the year after the national championship yeah. um, when Louisville was returning all those guys, and obviously no they question. had another Final Four run. That's that's what comes to mind. But uh, with these high expectations, I guess like the thing that I kind of wanted to talk about is that. <laughs> it's uh, with these high expectations. I want to be a dippy downer right away, but it's something like <laughs> I wanted to get to from the get go because it's something we haven't discussed. And I really think that this season, more so than than a probably any season for Chris Mack, is about proving something to to people out there. Because I think, like when Chris Mack was hired, it was obviously a no brainer. But I don't think the hire didn't come with any criticism from some right. local fans. I think there were legitimate questions writ rose about about Chris Mack and I, like I said I think they were legitimate I think there are things you could say about him that that were questionable and but the the ones that come to mind to me so as a one seed, a two seed in the NCAA tournament, he's never got out of the second round. Like his yeah. his his expectations, his his teams have done so much better with their with their lower expectations. It's the one that's that's the team that he got to the lead eight was like a six or a seven seed, I think. And I I guess I just want to start this conversation around Chris Mack and, and why do you think like is there anything to uh, him not meeting those expectations or just kind of how the tournament rose or or is there something more there? I think it can be all the above. I don't know. I I do kind of see Chris Mack and hopefully this season doesn't continue this trend, but he definitely is sort of on a, um, a Tony Bennett trajectory at this point where he has had really, really good teams and he's really succeeded during the regular season and not been able to turn that into March success. I don't, I mean, his teams have been great. I don't think it's an operative of, I don't know if it's his coaching. Uh, I mean, March is weird. March is really weird. And I think he sort of caught the brunt end of that um, on on several occasions. Um, So, you know, and he's, you know, we talked about Virginia where it wasn't, wasn't that the team? It was Xavier, right? That that knocked out Virginia, that that they were the one seed that one time. So he's sort of been on the helping end. Every time he's been to the elite eight, I think they were an eight seed. Both times he went to the elite eight. Yeah. And I mean, uh, with Virginia, it was always very like easy to pinpoint. It it was such an easy analysis, right? Because it was like, this style is never going to win a championship. They can't win this way, playing this slow, playing this methodical pace. You can't win without the best athletes, point guard play whatever whatever you want to say i mean with mac it's not as clear cut i i wrote some numbers down here it was one of the main criticisms i heard like when mac was hired were the defensive numbers and we walk into this season with the same questions i don't think uh, people are as concerned about the offense as they are concerned about the defense but 2010 um kim palm his team finishes 47 defense 2011 58 12 49 64 76 56 22 67 57 not great defenses not the right. ones that we are accustomed to seeing at ufo last season 24 
that would have been his second best team ever at Xavier in those in those 10 years. So I'm not sure that it means anything. It could mean the players that are coming to Xavier. It could mean, um, I mean, and a, a lot of defensive things that he wants to emulate or what what happened at Virginia um, with the with the pack line defense. So maybe that's something that you can't necessarily do at Xavier. You can do it a lot better. At Louisville. I don't know. Um, yeah, but, but it, 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 it is interesting for sure. No question. I'm really excited to see that growth in that defense. You know, even just preseason Louisville's Kempom defense is projected to be fourth. And that would be obviously Chris Mack's best ever defensive season. I'm interested in seeing how, you know, that's one of the benefits of having so many minutes coming back. So many people who who are um, experienced in this, especially in uh, the backcourt, um, excuse me, the frontcourt. So, you know, having guys who are experienced with the pack line defense, um, experienced with that four out style that they play um, just, on offense as well. I, just, I mean, I just think on a very like basic level personnel non-related you can talk about point guard or various mm-hmm. places if this team fails I, I i just think it'll be on the defensive side of the ball okay. like I, I i just can't see a scenario where they where they struggle to score many nights i do think i do think last season and i i, I can see there potentially being problems uh, where I mean, yes, you add a guy, you know, you, you add a few offensive weapons, you add a guy um, like Sam, Samuel Williamson who can who can support Joe Mora. But there were games last season where nothing happened or no one could do anything. And I mean, you even saw it against Bellarmine where no one there was periods of time, five minute stretches where no one could make a shot. No yeah. one could make a field goal. Yeah. And that's I think if there's going to be issues offensively, I think Louisville will still be prone to some of the cold spells I had last season. I think we'll see those those stretches where they, they'll struggle offensively. But I think you're right, especially against uh, we're, we're going to talk. Uh, I think a theme will be the big the big teams, the big three in the ACC, Virginia, Duke, UNC and then Kentucky, of course. How will Louisville play against those off those heavily athletic, heavily offensive teams? Um, they played great against UNC at UNC last season, but outside of that, they really struggled against high-level offensive teams. Um, you know, they played pretty well against Virginia, but ended up when when it mattered, when the chips were on the table, their defense wasn't able to close things out. Right. And so you're right. I think I think you know that 24 was obviously a big improvement. Um, but I, I wish we had that efficiency for the last five minutes of each game because I think it would be terrible. Yeah, and I, <laughs> and I mean just to just to bring the conversation kind of full circle to, to Chris Mack once again is like this season he is hampered home finish 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 and that was I mean if you want to take a extreme positive out of the Bellman game you could say hey they finished they didn't do that a lot last season <laughs> so that like. To me, is what I'm saying is, in a lot of ways, this this season is is validation for Chris Mack. There are not many, there are not many scapegoats. You know, it's not a you you disappear in the in the in the second round with a mm-hmm. you know a two seed one seed at Louisville, and it's going to be an ugly off season for you. Right. Um. It, it, it's not going to be pretty. But it, I mean, that's that's just something I wanted to throw out there to start the season. We can roll right into kind of the the stuff we wanted to get into, and I, and I guess we can start with we we've talked a lot about like point guard play and stuff like that that's obviously that's the the, the that's, kinda, the, that's the biggest question mark 
That's clearly like the general analysis. That's what all the national people are going to talk about um, with this Louisville team. I didn't put them fifth because, or I didn't put them sixth, or I didn't put them fourth, or I didn't put them higher because questions about the point guard play. We know that. Outside of that, what is your biggest question mark with this team? We sort of touched on it, but I think it's finishing. I think it's finishing games. I, I think that that's the reputation they developed down the stretch last season. Can they finish games? To be an ACC champion, they're going to have to do that. They're going to have to excise those demons they had last season that they weren't able to shed off their backs. So I think for me, it's um, can Louisville ensure that those stretches where they, you know, they don't make shots aren't happening in the final 10 minutes of a game? Mm-hmm. Can they play defense for 40 minutes? Um, can they keep guys out of foul trouble um, like they, you know, sometimes would happen? Can they have the vocal leader down the stretch that I think they really were missing last season? Yeah. Is that going to be Jordan Moore? Is that, um, is that going to be Dwayne Sutton? Is that going to be one of the guards that's, that, that steps up? Who is going to be the guy that they look to in the huddle? Um, those are the things I'm looking for. And they kind of all surround that finishing the fight type of mentality, which to be fair, they did against Bellerman, you know, yeah. and, and I, I, um, I mean, could very, very well be the case. I, obviously you'd love for them to win, um, you know, 20 points over Miami, but I, you know, I almost feel like we'd learn more about this team if it's a close game or they have to come a little bit from behind, um, against a, a Miami team. I think some people are doubting, but, um, you know, we'll, it's, it's, I think will cause more problems than is expected for, from us. Right. Yeah. I mean, the whole, like, opening with a conference opponent thing is weird. I know it's very weird. I mean, let's be clear about it. uh, uh, (laughs) Chris Mack seems to love it. (laughs) Yeah. Chris Mack's absolutely was totally delightful today in the press conference. Let me tell you that much. Um, I I think like that's kind of the general consensus around the league is that a lot of coaches don't like this and I understand why, but I mean, that was like, kind of the the disheartening thing about the the Minnesota game the way it ended is that there wasn't even an opportunity to, to see like like toughness down the stretch it was all just kind of like all systems failure there was that exactly. little quick run and it was just like this team had been beat down so much from not finishing that they didn't even have a, a gear to get to that point and fell again. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that's a great one. I think for me is I, I'm really interested to see how they juggle Malik Williams and Steven Enoch because I, I, I think it's that... A it's a good one. I think that Steven Enoch um, pretty clearly is is the better offensive player. I think that the, the statistics kind of bear that out. Um, we talked about it before the before we got going here, and, and that Stephen Enoch shot a higher percentage from three point last year is just totally <laughs> hilarious to me. He also shot a lot less threes, but still, nonetheless, he 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 shot a higher percentage from three point. But even even at the rim, sixty eight percent versus fifty four percent two pointers, forty five percent versus thirty percent. So I mm-hmm. think I think the offensive side of the ball, Stephen Enoch is clearly kind of the the, the better player and gives Lowell a better that di- 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 dynamic there because there's not a lot of teams in college basketball that have a true five to guard. Um, and that makes a little a lot difficult to guard, but on the other side of the ball, you have almost the exact same opposite. Um, I think last year, and I think if, if you look at the statistics, they'll bear it out. I think Malik Williams is the best defensive player on this team overall, just because of the ground he could carry. Um, he was yeah. a, a great, a great blocker. Um, I'm pretty sure he finished in the, in the top, part of the ACC blocking shots. Um, 
So I, I, for me, I'm just interested in that. And it's it's not actually going to matter if you can't keep the guys on the court. Um, I mean, Stephen Enoch had a lot of foul trouble last season. That that that, that can't yes. happen. Um, I think Malik Williams had foul trouble last season. That's something that kind of went unnoticed because uh, Stephen Enoch kind of took the cake there. But I don't know. I mean, I, I, yeah, they I, were similar. They were similar. I'm looking at uh, the Ken Palm page. They uh, Enoch was 5.3 fouls committed per 40 minutes, and Malik was 5.4. So, <laughs> so there, there you go. Um, they I, both they both had that problem. Um, yeah, because <laughs> I I think those guys are like. There's been so much made about the point guard play, but I, I think it's pretty clear and apparent to me that Aiden Gahan is going to take a little bit. I, I do think. Do you? I, 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 see, do you I, think that? I, I think it's going to take a little bit for him to get 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 in the rotation. Like I, I think by okay, the end okay. of the end of the season, he is going to be able to you know give 12, 15 minutes a game. But I think it's going to take him a little bit to get caught to speed. Right now, I see a guy with all the physical tools in the world, but I also see a guy where the game's moving faster. He looked yes. that way against Bellarmine to me. That's that's what I was about to say. I, I I I was really if there was one person that I had the largest negative reaction about uh, against Bellarmine it was a Nagehan and I'm not you know I don't I don't think his Louisville career is going to be defined by a preseason exhibition right but I did not love how he played against a DT, D2 school say what you will about Bellarmine I completely agree I think they'd be a mid-major you know I, it's it's that's not the point here yeah, the point is that I, 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 I yeah, I, you know, completely possible for me that it, that it, you know, it's maybe one of those, you know, once the thing slows down for him. I mean, it, you just compare him to Samuel Williamson, who instantly looked the part. So, right. uh, which is hard. That was hard. The, very I mean, hard I, comparison. I, I, I do think it's a lot easier to look the part when you're playing a wing position, particularly. Of course, uh, down low. Um, but I mean, especially given the pack line and Chris Mack's offense. Yeah, I, I don't know that like as far as like a workload. I saw some numbers. I have a bunch of numbers here. Stephen Enoch played 40% of the minutes, 46% of the minutes last year. Malik yes. Williams played 42%. I don't know that that's really going to change that much. They both had usage rates in the 20%, which is, I mean, for comparison, Jordan Moore's was like 32. So it's about what you would expect. I don't think anything of that's going to change, but I, I just, I'm curious if there's if we're sitting here in December and there's a clear cut minutes distinction between Stephen Enoch and Malik Williams, because that that didn't happen last year, I don't think. It, 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 I mean, no. uh, it seemed like Stephen Enoch probably started more games, maybe, but it seemed like they were both getting twenty minutes ish a game. So I'm curious if that looks a little yeah, bit. Yeah, like more even like, like I'm looking at the expanded player sheet now. Ex- uh, they had the same percentage of minutes in conference, forty seven point seven each. Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> which is kind of hilarious. I mean, if you want to do that again, I, I, I think like. Uh, we have a question that we'll answer at the end of the show about uh, about talk about playing them together. Um, that's mm-hmm. a, that's a mm-hmm. whole other deal. But I do wonder, like, if Max ever going to get to a point where he's like, okay, this guy is giving me much more on defense, and I see a lot more value in playing him because of the offensive players around him, or no, he's no. he's going to get in a situation where he's like. This guy isn't giving me much on defense, but I need him offensively because it makes us that much harder to guard. I think one of those questions may have to be answered, and I, I think that may result in one of them playing more. And I think that clear distinction could be could be made, but we'll see. That 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 is certainly my biggest question, though. Yeah, I think so. I think I've talked a little bit about 
how important I think Steve Enoch is and how interested I am and how he's grown this summer. I, I just, my general vibe, I think Malik obviously defensively is incredible, but I think if Steve, if the drop off defensively between the two, if that gap narrows, yeah, that will be incredibly great last year. Huh? I mean, I, I thought that gap was was noticeable last year. Yes. Oh, on defense, completely. Yeah. yeah. And I think a lot of that, and we t- and and, and we we've, we've talked about it before, was uh, just an Enoch body control issue. Yeah. Uh, was he would overcommit on that on, 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 on in the pack line? You know, kind of the principle where the five comes out and kind of presses for a minute to double, right. and he would overcommit on that double every time, every mm-hmm. single time he would do that. And Williams rarely did, especially towards the end of the season. And I mean, um, Malik just lateral quickness could could make those mistakes a lot easier. And, and was exactly, able to make up for it exactly. Too, so. And Enoch would never get back, and the and half the time that turned into an easy an easy layup. Yeah. So I'm um, if that's if that's a problem that's alleviated, he's lost some weight. He looks slimmer. He looked at, you know pretty athletic in the limited you know time we saw. I mean, he absolutely dominated the red dominated the red white scrimmage. Of course, there was no Malik Williams there for to, for him to be guarded by. Um, but uh, that's that's a guy I'm really interested in seeing because you know there were the I think some of the games early on in the season where Louisville really just smashed teams. It was because Steve Enoch was scoring 25, <laughs> yeah, 30 points. And that and that's the thing about Miami is they don't really have much of an offensive excuse me an offensive presence. So that'll be one of those games where you say okay. Stephen Enoch, you are maybe the second best offensive player in this team. Definitely in the top three. Maybe second, maybe three. You mm-hmm. have a clear matchup advantage. You go out and you score 18 points and you get 10 boards. That's what you do in this matchup. And if you do that, then you have earned the line share of the points. If you, you go out there and you score, you know, you, you score eight points and six rebounds, then we have another conversation. Maybe Malik Williams needs to be on the floor more. I mean, that that's kind of where I'm at with this whole thing. It's like, if, yeah. if he has, uh, tomorrow is a great, great example. I'm telling you, he's a, he's a, he has a clear like matchup advantage in the post. So go out there and, and take advantage of it and, and do that. And and show that that kind of where you the the, the leaps you've made and, and getting the feedback from the NBA draft and, and where you're at. Now I think that's a great great thing to see tomorrow. Yes, completely agree. I, I uh, just one more stat for you about Enoch. I'm looking at last season. There was only one game in which Enoch scored over 15 points and Louisville lost. It was against Boston College. Yeah. It was the 66-59 game, which was a very weird game. I feel like that that was a big no one made three. It was a game. very odd game. Um, but he scored over 15 points six times last season, and they were five and one. Yeah. So that's just something to just something to consider, something yeah. to think about. Let's talk about your guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, no. When I when I put this on here, I thought I was like, man. Gabe's gonna love me just wanting to talk wanting to talk about this because I know this is something that people are absolutely going to fight you over because Louisville fans absolutely love Ryan man. Oh man. All right, Chris. What 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 is uh, I don't know. What's his role? I think is is what is what yeah, I'm thinking so about. Here's my thing. I contend. That Ryan Man, and I'm not going to say you don't. I think I think you agree with me. Ryan Man has value on this team. He has a role. Mm-hmm. Um, 
when I, I found some pretty interesting numbers and it, it literally could just be happenstance, just kind of the way it rolled out. But this was a guy for whatever reason that last year when he faced better opponents, he seemed to elevate his game. Against top 50 opponents, he shot at 38% from three. On the really? season, he shot 35%. Free throw, you know, free throws mean whatever. But free throw percentage, top 50 opponents, 98%. On the season, 92%. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever there. And then you look at kind of his his box plus minus, something that I really pay a lot of attention to against like pretty athletic teams and and where a lot of people are going to have the issue with him being on the court against these teams. UNC both times, they were minus four. They were the worst on the team. Kentucky, two. Not very bad. Minus, minus two. That's not really, you know, one mm-hmm. way to it's one position. Duke, minus six and a half. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's that that's that's the thing. That's where we're out for having man, is that I think that having a guy that is an absolutely, can absolutely drop 10 points in a heartbeat and, and, and change the circumstance in the game has a lot of value. But... But those numbers, I mean, against athletic teams, it's been pretty clear throughout Ryan Man's career that he is going to have some issues because that is just the actual limitation of his body. And that's kind of right. the way we're, we're way things are. I mean, his his assistance, I, I thought a lot last season, he was probably the second best ch- best passer on the team behind Christian Cunningham. Um, his assist to turnover ratio was two to one. It got in a conference play. It fell to about one and one. So that could, that could kind of tell you that, you know, his height, a lot mm-hmm. more turnovers, things like that. So, I mean, it, it was funny to me when I was looking up and seeing like, who were the worst defenders on this team last year? Analytically, <laughs> Christian Cunningham was actually worse than Ryan McMahon. Which was kind of surprising to me. That is crazy. Um, they were both they were both the 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 two worst on the team, um, pretty clearly. Yeah. But it, I, that was surprising to me. I don't know. Like, wh- what do you want to say about Ryan Man before before? Um, <laughs> I, I don't want the angry mob to come after you. So I just, I just want no, to have no, you on you, record. You laid it down. I, I think, and my. My feelings about Ryan McMahon are almost like purely like anecdotal because, I mean, I'm looking I'm looking at these stats that you're looking at now. I'm seeing he shot thirty eight point six percent, the highest in the team, three pointers against conference opponents. I'm seeing that, you know, you, you said it, in conference play, he was second in assist rate behind Kristen Cunningham with 15 percent. Um, My issue with Ryan McMahon is. I think his usage and how he will perform in the game kind of let, like rolls out pretty quickly. He like you know I, what you're getting very you very know quick. what you're getting immediately. If he doesn't make one of the first two threes, I just know that he's not going to have a good game. And he the, my problem with McMahon is that he tends to dig himself into a hole pretty quickly. And I find after he misses the second and third three, he's more apt to take that fourth one on a quicker trigger, even if he's not open. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I, I, I do hope this is one area I hope you know, Mac sees with him. It's just that he's just got to have the leash tighter on McMahon. Yeah. If he's missing threes, because I think after that, what his other skill is, you know, assists, which I, I, I do think in some ways 
if you're relying on Ryan McMahon to give you assists and Darius Perry and, um, you know, and any of the other, you know, guards that are going to be on the team, I'm, I'm completely losing Fresh Kimball right now. I don't know why. Um, for, you know, yeah, Fresh yeah, David and, Johnson and guys like that, yeah. And David Johnson, if they're not the ones who are offering, who are that outlet for assists, then I think Louisville's got much bigger problems. Yeah, I mean, so, he, he, he was the second best passer on this team last year out of necessity, not because Mac wanted to be away. I promise you that. I think if he's the second best passer on this team next, on this team this year, then that's like that's that's not good for Louisville. Right. That's yeah. that doesn't that doesn't bode well for Louisville's future. I think he should be third, fourth best, unless it's a huge gr- growth for him. And I th- it does seem like that's what Mac wants for him. He feels like he needs to have something that he can rely on Ryan to do if he's not making threes. So that's going to be the question for me. But it didn't look. I mean, he missed. He was zero for five against Bellarmine. Yeah, so I mean, that, I just like. I don't want to sit here in a week from now, well, maybe two weeks into the season, whatever, after we get a, a few of these kind of bums out of the way and, and we're preparing mm-hmm. for, for Michigan and Ryan McMahon is still starting and we, we have no reason. We're, we're like, what the hell? Like like Samuel Williamson's continuing to do his thing. He, you know, he's scoring 12 points a game and Ryan McMahon's continuing to do pretty much who he was last season. And I just don't want to play this game of like trying to find reasons why Ryan McMahon is starting because like – I look at the game notes against Miami and I see that Ryan man still starting. And to me, that's not even, I, I don't even, I'm, I'm already there. Like I'm yeah. fine. If say, if you want to start Sam from day one and I, I just don't even get that. I, to me, it's like Max, like almost playing the game of like, okay, you're a freshman. You're not going to start day one. You need to like j- just chill out. And to me, that's just so stupid. I, I, I'm, I'm, Forgetting was was it Dwayne Sutton that we read that he had learned some of the two principles? Yeah, he played. I think he's. I think he played two, three, four, five. But yeah, I sent you that actually. Uh, I think Dino Gaudio yeah. was talking about how he, he learned to play the two over the season, which was weird. To so me. I mean, that's another thing. It's like you're right. It, 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 I think the Ryan McMahon question is if he's taking minutes at the two. Someone who needs to be on the floor of the big of the you know of the three wings of Williamson, you know Dwayne Sutton and and Jordan Mora. One of them is not playing, mm-hmm. so I just I would rather have those three guys playing together and someone figures it out. Yeah, <laughs> you know I would rather just have that, especially if he's not making threes. If he ma- if he's making threes, it's another thing, man. Like if he's having the night he had against Michigan State, th- that we're gonna need him to have. You know, three of those nights this year, mm-hmm. three, three to five, maybe more of those nights. There's going to be times where he's going to be relied on. I just don't think that that should be a consistent top, you know, five weapon of the offense. I think that's the okay plans A, B, and maybe C are working. Here's Plan D. Yeah, and it's and so many times last season he was Plan B or C. And it's a weird part for me because. Like, I, this is kind of why I'm so, like, wishy-washy on this topic. I'm not even really giving a, a direct <laughs> opinion, but because it, it's like, I feel like Ryan McMahon has, has maximized his potential at Louisville. He may have some growth in his game, and apparently Chris Mack thinks he does. I don't see it. If he does, that'd be awesome. 
That'd be great. But because I feel that way, I don't see why why he should be taking the lion's share of the minutes away from a guy like Sammy Williamson when you can be getting that growth and getting that yeah. game time and, and you know, making mistakes against inferior opponents and learning from them. The less time you spend on the court or the less time that you have those opportunities to learn. And I, because I think that this team is going to need Sammy Williamson to be a battle tested and obviously a, a very valued contributor to to go to Atlanta. And I think mm-hmm. that's I just don't want to look back months from now and be like, man, he's making these mistakes now, but he could have made them a long time ago. He exactly. didn't need to make them in conference play. No, no, I, I, I think you're absolutely right. And that's it's going to be something we're going to look to. I don't I, you know. The Bellarmine game was the Bellarmine game, and they were missing their, you know, both centers. Yeah. So I think once the team is healthier, we'll have a better idea of how that rotation will work. Um, you know, you have written on, we have hit written on here. What you know? How many minutes is too many? I, I think if he's, I think if he's averaging over eleven minutes a game at the end of the season, I think it's, it's not good. Yeah. I, I, mean, I do. I do sincerely think that. I would be a little bit closer to fifteen, but yeah, it's, it's splitting hairs. So, you know, it is what it is. And and listen, I get it. I get why people love him. I think he's been he's been huge in some spots for this team over the over over his career here. I get it. I love the story. But we're not talking about just story anymore. We're talking about, you know, it's what you said. I think he's reached his 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 ceiling. And I think Mac thinking that there's another level is more. I'm going to give my senior an opportunity to show me there's another level. Yeah, that's that's my that's my hope. I guess that's what I'm getting to is is how much of that is coach speak and how much of that is that is real. I think it's 90 percent coach speak. I think it's 90 percent coach speak because that's the type of guy Mac is, I think. And, you know, more so more in some ways, he's more that than Patino was. And I think this is one of those. Yeah. So. We can move that on. Being said, we can move forward. We'll move on to the next one. Um, is getting a win at Kentucky bigger this year, a bigger deal this year than it has been in some past years? I'm not sold on Kentucky this year. Let me just say that. Let, let's 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 make this the five minute Kentucky. You know, magnifying glass. I mean, you know. it, let's get out a magnifying glass, Chris, and and. As, as stupid as it sounds, winning rivalry games matters in college basketball. Of and course. it matters in the city of Louisville. It matters in North Carolina. It matters in Duke. It matters, you know, insert school here. So the 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 last two games that Louisville have played have been to me embarrassing. I mean, last year, to me, I, I expected to be more competitive than it was, mm-hmm. and it just n- wasn't that. And obviously, we know the year before. Uh, so I, I just, I don't know. I think part of this for me is built upon that I'm not a huge believer in Kentucky. Like, I, I, I'm not a huge believer in, in EJ Montgomery taking this massive leap. Um, Ashton Higgins is an amazing defender, but he can't shoot. Um, Tyrese Maxey may be the absolute real deal and their backcourt could be awesome. Um, but, you know, adding a guy from Belmont and Nate Cecina isn't going to solve a lot of it's, it's not PJ Washington. Um, so I, I think Kentucky has it's a lot Reed of Travis, right? It, not it, Travis. it may not be Reed Travis. I don't know. Um, <laughs> listen to Kentucky fans after Kentucky state, he may be Rich Chapman. So we'll see. Um, <laughs> But I, 
I think that's what this is rooted in for me is I, I do think that this game has a lot more significance than it has in past years because I think there is absolutely no reason that you can't go into this game expecting Louisville needs to win. I think there were always qualifiers the last two years. And in this game, if Louisville is, you know, say down by 10 with four minutes to go and there's never any push, it's going to matter. Um, yeah. and, and, and that's crazy that I can say that on November, you know, November 4th, but I feel pretty confident barring injuries on either side that, you know, this is going to be a matchup. I feel very confident saying it'd be a matchup of, of top 10 teams. It may be a matchup of top five teams. Yeah, um, it'd be a matchup of top three teams. Yeah. We'll, we'll see when we get there, but I, I don't know, man. It, it's something that you just have to throw out there um, because how much Kentucky has dominated this rivalry, particularly, you know, since since John Calipari got there. Um, and I don't know. I just kind of wanted to pick your brain, um, see if you had any general thoughts. There's nothing we can really say much about it. I, I just think it's a little bit bigger this year than it has possibly been. Oh, I, I agree with you 100 percent. And let's I mean, let's be clear. You, you know, your Kentucky is losing its top four contributors. They're losing P.J. Washington, Tyler Hero, Keldon Johnson, Reed Travis. So you're telling me this the national media, not not you, Chris, the national <laughs> media, cough, cough, Nick uh, Norlander, Matt yeah. Norlander from CBS, who says that Kentucky is the, the better team in the state of, uh, of Kentucky instead of Louisville. You're telling me that I'm supposed to believe that Emmanuel Quickly, who <laughs> was used on 15 percent of possessions, and Ashton Hagens, who we already know, some we already know that it, it turns the ball over way too much, turned the ball over on nearly thirty percent of possessions he was using. And uh, you know, I, I think the one way that we can really trust this backcourt is if Tyrese Maxey's a top five pick, which yeah. he absolutely could be. He I, could. He I, he absolutely I, could be that. I just feel about Kentucky a lot of the way that I feel about Duke this year. Like yes. I mean, there's just a lot of a lot of things have to go right for me to believe that Kentucky's a top three pick. Yeah, there's just a lot of questions I have. And and oh, wow. EJ Montgomery had a great summer. Nick Richards already hurt. You know, the, the, the talk about issues in the front court. The, it, you know, you're, you're ready. You're 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 one of your bigs. One, one of your bigs that probably will be starting is is hurt. So. And I mean, for for like for for Louisville, it's been is is Darius Perry going to make this leap? And for Kentucky, it's been has is EJ Montgomery going to make this leap? I feel a lot more confident saying that Darius Perry yep. is going to make the leap than, yep. than EJ Montgomery is going to make the leap. Yep. So I don't know. I don't want to make this too much about Kentucky, but I, I think it's just rooted in. I, I'm just not very. They, they may beat Michigan State tomorrow. You know, I mean, Joshua Langford's out. Um, Cassius Winston, I mean, I, I think he's absolutely great. Some of the love he's been getting from some people to me has been a little much. Um, but obviously, I mean, he, he he's great. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah. One more thing on this before we move on, because you're right. We don't want to spend a whole lot of time making it about Kentucky. I do think for the momentum swing in this rivalry to really be significant, it will take a year like this. Yeah. I think Louisville and the, you know, since Calipari has been there, they have taken advantage of Kentucky when Kentucky's down, when they've had more talent. You know, they win 
you know, Patino wins with Dang Adele and Donovan Mitchell and Quinn Snyder. And then he wins the year that he's got overwhelming talent after everyone from Kentucky left. Kentucky's won was, almost all the toss up games. Kentucky has won every toss up game for there to be some level of momentum. There's going to have to Louisville's going to have to win a 50 50 or a 60 40 and 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 kind of swing things their way. And I do think I don't I don't think I I think at minimum this is going to be a 60 40. Yeah. For Louisville. It's good. Or I mean, for Kentucky. Yeah. So, you know, being at Kentucky, they've got a 60 percent chance of winning. You know, I think it could be 50 50. Um, but. If you want to make if you want to make the play to really you know, turn things around. It has to be uh, some one of this type of defining. You know, it's not a hundred percent of our favorite. This isn't our year, and it's Kentucky's year to be down. This is us taking firm control, and I think Louisville is more primed to do that this season than in past and, years when it's been a toss. I mean, I I don't see many situations where where Chris Mack and, and John Calipari are going head-to-head directly on the recruiting trail, but it's already right. happened once. It's already I, happened. I mean, it, there shouldn't be more situations, pending NCAA stuff. We don't know what's going to happen mm-hmm. with that, but pending that, there shouldn't be more situations where Chris Mack is on a guy and Devin Askew for several months and, and Calipari can swoop in at the last minute and get him because his name's John Calipari. I don't know that how much, you know, winning this game matters, but it has to matter something in those regards. And you, you can point, I, I, I don't know that, that, that John Calipari is saying, look at this guy. I've dominated Louisville ever since I've been to Kentucky. Why would you want to go there? He may be saying that, but I feel like, it would be a lot more valuable valuable for Louisville to say that on the other side. Like, like they, they I don't know. That, I don't know if that makes any sense, but <laughs> that's just kind of how I feel. No, it makes sense. It makes sense. And I, I think, you know, I think we will talk plenty about this game. Okay. But I think we've I think we've made clear that this is an opportunity at this point. It seems like it's an opportunity for Louisville to grab hold and start to swing things back in their direction. Right. Next question. We've got a few more before we get to our real predictions. Uh, what are you most confident about in this team, Chris? Scoring. I mean, it's pretty simple. I, I, okay. I've said that pretty much. Um, I was surprised to hear Mac say that uh, that Darius Perry is one of the few people he thought could beat beat other team other player like players off the dribble. I don't believe that. Uh, I mean, I, I just think you have a lot of scoring options with this team. I think Dwayne Sutton has shown the capability to beat people one-on-one. It's got to be the right matchup, but I think mm-hmm. he can do it. I think Stephen Enoch can take advantage of matchup. I, I, I just think in any given night, Louisville's going to be able to exploit a matchup, whether that's, that's Sam Williamson, whether that's Jordan Mora, whether that's Stephen Enoch. I, I don't know. It's pretty simple for me. Yeah, I think mine's a variation of that. I, I think it's the ability of Jordan Moore to get this team out of a jam. Yeah. I, I, we saw it against Bellarmine. I keep going back to that game, but I mean, it's it happened a dime a dozen last season. Jordan Moore can hit, you know, three threes in a hurry, can get an and one to start a run quickly. He can create those types of opportunities that can get Louisville, you know, can give him a boost of energy, give him a shot in the arm and really figure things out, you know, especially especially in some of the later segments of games. And, and he will be called on to do that again, no matter what. We're and I, I think it will be really good. The, the thing related to that, that would be great and we'll have a good idea about 
you know, we'll have a good idea about Louisville if it ends up happening is if Samuel Williamson can do those things as well. Yeah. I mean, at, at some point in this season, maybe during some like off week or something, we have to have a discussion about Jordan War and where he's going to end up in some of these record books because yeah. I, I, I've i made this point on Twitter a lot. I, I do feel like he's gone underappreciated by the Louisville fan base. I, I think he's just been a guy. I mean, he's he's a, he's been really freaking good. He's been really freaking good. Um, and really it, it's something that I, that I want to make sure we hammer home this year because it I, I want to appreciate him. Um, yeah, we, and he's and he's been a, st- a stabilizing force in such an unstable, you know, time period in this program's history. It is uh, it's something that I think is hard to really grasp at this point of his career, but something that we'll look back on five, 10, 15, 20 years from now and really, really appreciate what he's done in sort of transitioning Louisville from Patino to Mac. Yeah, for sure. Um, we have a few, I guess, Twitter questions. Then we have kind of the the expectations that we have for this team. We want to set them out. Where do you want to go here? Let's go. Let's let's answer the Twitter questions. All right. Um, the first one was from Zach Brady. Um it's a two-part question. So the first question was, will Chris Mack actually play two bigs at once? Um, and the second one was, who is the starting point guard for this team in March? Um, let's do the let's do the first question first. You, you can go yeah. ahead with that one. Uh, I, I think I think we'll see it to some degree. Um, the, the the two big question. I I wonder if. That's one thing that the Aina Gahan type thing has worried me about is I don't know how apt Chris will be to 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 be wanting to do that. If Aina Gahan is is not, you know, suitable to play extended minutes in ACC play. Yeah. So uh, I, I think we'll see it from time to time. And there'll be times I'm sure we'll have to do it at a necessity. So I'm interested to see how that works. I also think I mean. It didn't work great against Bellman, but I, I do wonder if we'll see that sort of weird Dwayne Sutton at the five lineup. Yeah, as well. I mean, if if Dwayne Sutton's going to be out here getting twelve rebounds a night, then I, I don't think there's going to be any necessity to play um, Malik Williams at the four. I, I don't know that yeah. that's that's going to happen. Um, I think there are a few question marks when you do that. Um, can Malik Williams be a be a solid? Uh, you know, just ball handler in general, um, because that that type of offensive system, four out, one in, it requires kind of everyone to be a good ball handler. Um, yeah. From the one to four spots, it require everyone to be an offensive threat. So I don't know. I, I, I don't think Max very – that's something he doesn't really want to do. He's very much a um, position guy that he wants people to have true positions. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind and of – I mean, let's be clear. We were pretty – I mean, we were pretty hard on him for not trying it. But yeah. I, 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 I th- and, and I thought that maybe he'd have more opportunity now with Gahan, but I, I don't I don't think – I don't think it, it's there. Yeah. No. I, I, I just think there's too much value having Dwayne Sutton, Sam Williamson, and, yeah. and Jordan Moore on the floor all together. We, we've we've talked about that so much. I but. would rather, yeah, I would rather do that than, than have the two bigs at once. I think we'll see it. I, I, I think we'll see it a time or two um, to answer the question. So, I mean, the answer is yes. I just don't think it's something that we should expect to be. I would be shocked if it's a real, you know, consistent deal for Louisville. Um, as far as. 
starting point guard. Um, I mean, we've been the, the self-appointed Darius Perry truther um, <laughs> podcast. Here. Hashtag Perry Hive 19. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there are three scenarios that this can kind of go. Um, I think if Fresh Kimball is starting at point guard in March, that'll be because Darius Perry didn't take the leap that we all wanted him to take. And that, yeah. to me, will say that this team is not reaching their expectations, barring something happening that I don't see happening, barring, you know, Stephen Enoch becoming absolutely dominant or, or Sam mm-hmm. Williamson becoming a whole nother level. I, I think if Fresh Kimball is starting at point guard, it's because... Um, I, I just don't see Louisville meeting their expectation, expectations there. Um, the other one is obviously Darius Perry making that leap, and that's that's the one that um, I think is the most favorable for Louisville. I, I've said it a lot. Darius Perry at the one, Sam Williamson at the two, um, Jordan Moore at the three, and then whatever you want to do, four or five, I, you know, whatever. Um I think that's the most favorable position. And then the other one is is kind of the wild card um, with, with David Johnson. I oh, We talked about this some last podcast about how Jody Dillon— no, I mean, let's, let's, come, let's come out with it. You, you, we, we have a real hard time believing that David Johnson was, quote-unquote, the starter. And that and there was a lot said that Johnson not playing was like another starter not playing against Bellarmine. Yeah. And I, I, I have a hard time believing that. And I think you do too, Chris. I just, I just don't see it. I mean, I, I don't know. Like David Johnson's, he's a local guy, but he's not for whatever reason. I don't know why this happened. He's just not one of those guys that I know a lot about. Um, I, I know that he made some pretty significant leaps his senior year. I think he was at Trinity, right? Trinity. Yeah, he was at Trinity, Trinity, and the, and it's it's sort of the same thing with you know with race balding is the Trinity system. Um, you know, you're not going to get gaudy numbers out of right. a kid. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I just, Chris Mack doesn't strike me as a guy who's good. If he's not going to start Samuel Williamson from day one, I don't see him starting David Johnson from day one. Certainly. Yeah. I always took that David Johnson is going to be the starting point guard as a, Hey, Darius Perry, figure this out. And also we know fresh Kimball is going to take some time. So we don't want to rush him. Yeah. Uh, I, I I think the biggest challenge to Darius Perry's you know eventual you know taking of the throne is uh, you know the fresh Kimball talk of oh it's going to take him some time you know it, you know sort of by ACC play is when you know Christian Cunningham really kind of assumed the reins of the offense. Um, I'm I'm I, I I'm I'm Perry Perry you know Perry high for life for sure, but I I do think the the probably the most likely outcome is sort of a timeshare at point guard. But I think the best version of Louisville is Darius Perry paying the most minutes, but it does. I have been pretty interested in how Mac has responded to, um, to fresh and yeah, that mean, sort uh, of uh, made me hold up a little bit on that. Talk about this in a, a different way, just for a second, because it's something we, what, what happens if, if fresh Kim was just absolutely non-playable? What if he's just bad? I don't know. I mean, that's. I think that's. I, I think. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world for Louisville. But, but that's. A, I mean, that's like a. That's a not a likely scenario, but it's a plausible one, right? No, it's a completely plausible one. But like I said, I, I don't think that's the worst. I don't think that's the worst possible outcome. Yeah. I don't think that's a season-ending outcome. Yeah. I, I, I think if Fresh Kimball can only play in spots, can only play twelve minutes a game, um, you know, ten minutes a game, then. 
you know, maybe he comes in if, if Perry is having a, a, you know, Perry's fouling a lot. Yeah. But I, I do, and we talked about this, you know, in regards to Bellarmine. I keep going back to Bellarmine. It doesn't matter. But but I, I do, I do think people talk about Perry so weirdly because he's oh, going to he, be the whipping he, boy of this team. He just is. He's going to be the whipping boy of this team, and and he's an easy target because I think you know he's the point guard, so it's easy. Easy to see him lose the ball and be like, oh, Perry again. But I don't know, man. People did that about Russ Smith all the time. Right. Before. He did about angry social. Louisville fans are pretty hard on point guards. Louisville fans are hard on point guards. But the thing about Darius Perry is that, yes, we don't want him to be, quote, unquote, out of control. But that ability to explode, that explosiveness, is one of his biggest strengths. And it's one of the things that no one on this team has. He's also it's the best on-ball defender on this team, too. Yes, and he didn't look. I will say he did not look that part against Bellman. Yeah, and that that a hundred percent. If he's not going to be that guy, then that that's that this whole thing's out the window. Yeah, and that's a whole other thing. Oh, we'll get to the second one. Um, the other one was just kind of a general um, college basketball one from our guy Matt Online two four seven. Great username. Um, Shout out. Yeah. The MOM. That's right. Um, so just in general, um, who are your notable underrated and overrated teams? Um, the the overrated one for me is a weird question because I think there are a lot of overrated teams. I think Louisville could even be an overrated team right yeah. now. Um, I, I just think college basketball is very – I think the top six are very, like, even. Um, Florida, Duke – Kansas, Michigan State, Kentucky, Louisville. Um, I think that's six. I, I none of no no teams really come to mind. I, outside of I've that, got questions that, about that, Duke. That's six. You, you have questions about Duke. I have questions about UNC. But I mean, I, yeah. I just the overrated one for me is just. I think there's a lot of parity this season. Um, it's so it's such a generic college basketball analysis to say that. Like that is literally the most like bland thing you can say. But I, it seems like that way so much more this year than than, than past years. Um, my most Here, go ahead. Uh, just my most overrated team. I have been pretty pretty consistent with this. Is I'm not a believer in UNC, and I'm not a believer in Texas Tech. Um, both of those teams lost a lot of people. Don't have to make the analysis complicated. Yeah, I'm not a believer in them. But 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 go ahead. Here, here's one. Here's one. I don't. I don't 100 get. And and just and honestly, watching some NBAs really kind of um, made me think a lot about it. And that's Purdue. They're number seven in Ken Palm, and Carson Edwards was everything to that team. He was sixth in shots, percentage of shots taken, 10th in the country in in, in usage possessions used and, um, you know, top 100 in minutes. And you're expecting this team to, again, be a top 10 team. You know, I mean, Ken Palm is all numbers, but uh, I mean, even I'm looking, I, I don't know what they are in the in the AP poll. I, I don't have that. They're getting right some type of top 10 love. I'm pretty sure they're getting some type of top 10 love. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to like look right now and that's not going well. maybe just outside of the top 10. But generally speaking, in a lot of the posts, they've been in that that. 12 to yeah, 12 but, to listen, 8 I get range. it. You know, Matt Harms was really good for them last season. Teddy bear. Um, 
I just I just don't I, I think when you're talking about a team that had a guy that just was the he was the straw that stirred the drink mm-hmm. and you're you're trying to replace that and immediately be you know replace that one to one and kind of stay in the same position they were last I mean you know they were a top 10 team at the end of the year last season so you're saying that their ceiling last season is the same of what it is now I just don't see that yeah I, I have a hard time believing that I think that's a good one um I, I think underrated teams um I like VCU a lot. They have a pretty interesting schedule. They play LSU, Purdue, Wichita State. Um, mm-hmm. I think the A-10 is pretty good. The Davidson, Dayton are all teams that, that are solid. They return four to five scores. Um, I don't know. How about Xavier? Xavier could be a – yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, there, this this is definitely going to be – has the feel to it um, in the preseason of a of a mid-major team, maybe a couple mid-major teams making deep March runs. Um, I thought that to a little degree last year. I don't know that we got it as much, um, yeah. but, but at, it definitely feels that way this year. Anytime there's parity at the top, I think you're going to have an opportunity for a mid-major to make a Final Four run. And it seems like this year could – I'm definitely like I, I I might even say you know there's a higher percentage that happens and there that doesn't happen this year so yeah yeah no no question no question it'll be it'll be super interesting I don't I don't have a whole lot of I I think you're right that this is sort of a unique year where it does feel like there's a there's a set one to sort of you know, six you know you've got Michigan State Kentucky Kansas Duke Louisville. Florida, maybe North Carolina and Gonzaga. If you want to toss those guys, those in. are, and those are sort big of, drop offs when you go North Carolina. And, and Gonzaga then sort of after that, I just you know, yeah. you know, Purdue's twenty third in the AP top top twenty five. Okay, that's totally you, know, you had you had VCU at twenty five, and you know that could definitely be a team. Um, I, I don't think Will Wade and, and LCU are twenty second. Don't don't necessarily believe them. Shout to St. Mary's. Yeah, they're a they're a two and a half point favorite at Wisconsin. It's nice to see a St. Mary's team traveling across country opening night to play at Wisconsin. That's I've always been bothered. a really big St. Mary's fan because I just I always I always wanted those Gonzaga St. Mary's games to be good, and half the time <laughs> you tune in and it's like close for ten minutes, and then by halftime Gonzaga's up by seventeen, and it's like, oh, I really, uh, why am I up this late to watch this blowout? I really don't <laughs> want to do the thing with Gonzaga this year. I just hope they suck. Like I, I got so like sick of just the dance with Gonzaga of like they don't have any good wins, but they're a one seed, they're a two seed. We do it every single year of Gonzaga, and we I do it every single I, year. I, just I will say, that. I really, uh, their 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 five star center Drew Timmy, who they picked up, I, I really like that guy. That was a guy who I kind of really wanted Louisville to get, and it was pretty clear that he was in love with Gonzaga from the start. And um, have you ever met a Gonzaga fan? Oh God, no! Okay. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> actually, I tried to talk to Sabonis, nice young Sabonis, at the at the Seattle airport. Uh, the first time I went to Seattle, I was like, "Oh my God, that's uh, that's Sabonis, that's the monster Sabonis." <laughs> and because he was flying to Indianapolis, I'm like, "That's definitely him." He didn't look that much taller than I, uh, that much tall as I expected. Yeah. Um, 
That, yeah, but that's a completely different story. But yeah, no, so I tried to talk to him and he was like getting on the flight. I was like, oh, you're Sabonis. And he like turned around. I was like, oh, dang. So almost talked to a Gonzaga fan. Yeah, that's your only interaction. Yeah. I, that's the most obscure fan base. I, I definitely don't. I think I've talked to I've talked to UAB fans. I've talked to DCU fans. I've talked to some more obscure fan bases, but I've never encountered a Gonzaga fan. So I have to be able to look I've out for that. I've talked to Creighton fans. Yeah. I've talked to Creighton fans. Yeah, they're good people. I've been to a Shout Creighton to basketball Creighton game actually, so good times. Shout out to Creighton. Okay, uh, do you want to get to the predictions, the, expectations? Yeah, section? these just regular superlatives, I guess. Regular superlatives. superlatives. Okay, that's a superlatives, but yeah, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> well, it is superlatives. Yeah. It's now midnight. It's uh, it's now college basketball season, Chris. Yeah, there you go. We made it. <laughs> um, we've got a few of these. Uh, I think five. So. Let's start with biggest surprise, Chris. Who's the you know? It, maybe it's a player. Maybe it's a a, a um, an area this team excels in that we're not really expecting. Hmm. You kind of put that one out there, and I hadn't really. I did. I kind of just added that one at the last second. I was like, "Hey, let's talk about this." And you're like, "Oh." Yeah. I think that Rhyme Man. Um, <laughs> Will 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 be a valued contributor to this team uh, once Ryan again. McMahon will come on this podcast and be like Gabe Burge <laughs> knows nothing about basketball. Why does he have a podcast where he talks about basketball? No, I just I, I don't know, man. I I think that there's so I think that <laughs> there's like a half. The, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming half the people listening to the show turned it off when I just trashed Ryan. So thanks to everyone who's still listening. Um, Honestly, dude, I just think there's like an opening. I I, I don't believe in, in Nickelberry very much. Um, some some people have said that they they kind of think he'll he'll play some. I I don't see that. I think David Johnson, Darius Perry, Fresh Kimball, and Ryan Man will be in that rotation. So at that point, it's going to be between you know David Johnson and Ryan. Ryan McMahon eventually who's going to get those minutes between those two I think Ryan McMahon will actually win that battle so I think for some people that will be surprising I because there's a lot of people we just talked about it how you know they just said David Johnson will could be the starter of this team I think Ryan McMahon will average more minutes than David Johnson that's that's my biggest surprise there you go see that's you you sort of mentioned the one thing I think is I, I think we've talked all about the freshman but I think one of those guys, Nickelberry, Sazinski, and uh, uh, a Gahan. No, not a Gahan. Man, I'm I'm terrible at this right Jay now. It's too late. Yeah, I think one of those guys yeah. is going to do something that we didn't expect. Okay. I think that's my thing. I the, the Sazinski thing. It almost seemed like kind of I don't know. Mac was really off today. We talked about it in the in our our. our <laughs> he message. was so pissed off. Dude. He was so pissed off today. <laughs> But he said that he's still not sure if Slezinski's going to redshirt. If he doesn't redshirt, I think he's going to, like, one game play 15, 20 minutes and just, like, do some stuff. Yeah. Okay. Like, I, th- I think w- there's going to be one one of the guys that we're not talking about is going to show up at some point. Well, you're not talking about Ryan McMahon, so there we go. I'm not talking about <laughs> Ryan McMahon. Um, how will U of L fare against the big three, Duke, UNC, and UVA? Hey, we play um, is Duke, UNC, are those we Louisville plays those twice as well? Or no, is, Duke you, only once. Duke once. Okay. Is that you, uh, that's Duke, Duke away, UNC at home, Virginia twice. Oh, another biggest surprise. I just thought of. I think I think that, that Syracuse will beat Louisville 
in like a large way again. And that'll become the team that's like the kryptonite for Chris Mack. That is like the Virginia for Chris Mack. Ooh, okay. Okay. We'll get Syracuse at home this year. Yeah. So I, I think that that could okay. be a situation where like Syracuse comes in the yum and wins by 10 points. Okay. Uh, c- currently projected to win the Syracuse game by 13 points with an 88% chance of winning. Yeah. But sure. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> back, back to your question. Um, I, I think that I think Louisville's going to sweep Virginia. No. How about that? You're- that's it. That, how about there you go? That's Just throwing out all the hot takes, man. I don't know. If Virginia, if Virginia does does it this year, and they are able to pull this team together, that is Kihi Clark and Dikiti and whoever who's the who's the other guy, uh, the the big the big dude they have, Jack Salt. No, not Jack Salt. The other guy. Um, <laughs> Why is the name escaping me? All of them seem like they just look the same and have the, the same, same names. Man. They're, They're all, all just the exact like same. vaguely great basketball players. Yeah, that'll be selling Jay car Huff. insurance in five years. Yes. Jay Huff. Jay Huff. Um, if Tony Bennett's able to like assemble that team and make them, I don't know, top four ACC team, then this guy needs to be given every award there is out there. I just don't see it with Virginia. I don't. Um, and maybe I'm sitting here a few months from now and I'm like, you're such an idiot. I just don't see the pieces there. I'm sorry. Um, no, I, that's I, a good point. I, I, I mean, that's I, another I team we'll where you know, they're, they're losing their top three contributors. Yeah. So I, I completely get that. Uh, I, I think they go three and one against the, the, the big three. Yeah, that, that's pre- that's pretty uh, that's pretty uh, robust, too. Um, I mean, I think I I. I I mean, I guess we both have three and one because I would, I would. That's exactly what I would say too. I think they're in a unique position against. Um, they're they're in a unique position against um, uh, North Carolina, where they get them towards the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Like they're like February the twenty second, they play North Carolina at home. So I think they'll sort of tor- sort of be towards the top of their game. Um, and and I I don't I I've, I'm kind of on their record. I'm. I'm don't know how much I believe in Duke. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think this is going to be one of the tougher years for coach K. I just, I mean, they're, they're going to be relying on like Jack O'Connell to do a ton of stuff. Like, <laughs> come on. Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just not going to believe in that. It's I weird because it. I, I'm like having that, that same take, but I'm having it with, with Virginia. Um, so I'm, I'm sliding Tony Bennett and you're sliding coach K, which are probably like the, the top, Two of the top five coaches in college basketball right now. So good place for us to be. <laughs> We're doing great, Chris. Yeah. We're doing great. Um, biggest rookie. So biggest freshman. Um, I, I mean, mean, we agree, I think. Yeah. I'll say it. Sam Williamson, I, like I said. I, I, you, you, how, we'll, we'll take this opportunity to talk about the Samuel Williamson one and done thing, even though I kind of put NBA later. Um, what is the percentage chance for you that Samuel Williamson is a one and done? 65%. 65. You're, man, you're high on it. <laughs> I love this. This is great. This is a great I, conversation. I just think his skill set um, is he's one of those guys that I think he can play multiple positions. I think he can play the three in some lineups at the next level. Yeah. Um, I mean, not start, but I think he could play some rotation at the three. I think he can definitely play the two. His biggest issue to me is his ball handling. And I just look at that as something that can be fixed 
It's not yeah. it's not like this guy has some ridiculous shot where he can't, you know, even like a guy like John Wall, you say, what's his biggest question mark? Well, he didn't have any perimeter shots. So so teams stayed off of him, made them, you know, made him get to the basket on him. I don't think he has those question marks. Um, my biggest thing with him that would stop him from being like a one and done is there is enough opportunity for him to shine on this team. Um, but even then, I just think he's going to be one of those guys that gets into gets into the, the combine and gets into some of those pre workouts and just shines. So no, I, I think that's completely fair. Do you think the modal in outcome for him is lottery pick? I mean, what are we looking at here? I think he's a fringe like lottery pick. Um, okay, I, I I don't like that. That'll be the thing. Is it? it it'll be like. I think it's a situation where he's maybe a guy that's like 15, 14, and he's not going to get guarantee lottery from any teams. And is he going to be able to take that leap? Is he going to be able to take that leap? Um, I I, I don't know. Um, But, you know, I I saw some just random – I mean, mock drafts right now are so ridiculous. But I saw just some random ones that had had him like 13th, 16th. Then I saw some ones that had him going completely undrafted. So, I mean, they're all across the board on him. Um, But I I don't know that he's going to be like a lottery guy, but I think he'll be fringe. Um, And at that point, it'll be, you know, what what he wants to do. Yeah, just looking at I'm looking at CBS's mock draft that they dropped today. I didn't I haven't seen the ESPNs because I don't have ESPN plus uh, telling on myself there. Uh, they have Nora at, at 19. But yeah, no. Um, yeah. No, I mean, it's only a first round one. So I mean, they, yeah, they I, I've seen have... just as many that have him undrafted and as many that have him in the first round. So I don't know um, who the, who do they have war going to. Uh, the Portland Trailblazers. Yeah, uh, a good team for him. Some team like the Rockets. Some team in the West West Western Conference would be pretty cool for him. They have Tyrese Maxey at eight. Yeah, I think if Tyrese Maxey, if we're looking at Tyrese Maxey, you know, by the time we're getting to the UVL UK game and he's a top five pick, that I would shade to UK. Yeah, completely random, but um. Yeah. And also give me every single uh, I'm uh, Chris, you know, I'm a ball family hater. Give me every single LaMelo ball to the New York Knicks mock draft. I want them all. I oh, want boy. them all. That's a, that, that's like a that's kind of like a reflection on college basketball this year. Is like there's not a who is the best like NBA player in college basketball? Because I don't think it's Cassius Winston. I mean, it's Wiseman, and I mean, yeah, he's gonna be number one pick right now. It's probably Wiseman, but there's still like <sighs> there's but, but there's like there's a like decent chance marks, that marks like, like you know what I mean? yeah is it yeah I don't know I, I my favorite my favorite like um my favorite message board topics in the past twelve months have always been like uh, should we get in on Lamelo Ball. <laughs> For Louisville, I remember like, for like should, for, should Chris Mack pick up the phone and just to see like the half of the half of the fans be like hell freaking no, and then the other half be like, well, he's a great, seems like he's going to be a great basketball player. <laughs> just that's been my favorite. Like every time I've seen that on a message board, I read every reply because for so long I remember like on almost all message boards it was. You know, LeBron James would have went here if he would have went yes. to college. That was also one of my favorite, like, like deals on message boards for a long time. But I always uh, that that's what I bring up and no one believes me. And it's it's half joking because I know he would have gone to Ohio State. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, team MVP. 
Um, I think we agree again. I mean, yeah. I think it's Jordan Moore. I, I do think there's a scenario where it could be a guy like Stephen Enoch, but I think right now it would be Jordan Moore. Here's a second follow-up question. Do you think Jordan Moore will be the ACC Player of the Year and or uh, a All-American? As bad as is like not high as I am on North Carolina, I think Caleb Love is absolutely legit. So I, I think that he probably will be ACC Player of the Year. I think it'll be between him and Moore. If, if I had to predict right now, I would say— Wait, would, you mean you mean Cole Anthony? Yeah, sorry. I said Caleb. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, Cole Anthony. Um, I, I'm extremely pretty high on him. Um, I would say Cole Anthony right now um, just because I think he's going to be a, be able to absolutely star on that team night in and night out. Um, but, you know— I'm not very strong in that conviction either way. No, I I think um, I think it's a it's a more likely. I mean, there, I saw some statistic that uh, there's only been like one time in the past ten years that the preseason player of the year ended up being the post you know the postseason player of the year, and, and it was uh, it was Malcolm Brogdon. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's 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 tough to do that. I do think he's going to be all ACC. Yeah. I, I do think um, I think it's possible he's a you know a first or second team All American. I, I don't I don't think it's out of the question for him. My, not to my have thing it. is with that is like I don't think Jordan War has to score more this year to improve his draft stock, but does he have to score more or as much this year to be an All American? He may ha- hmm. he may have to do that. Like I I, I think. I think he can score, you know, he can average four or five points less this year than he did last year and improve his draft stock dramatically. Because I, I don't think his feedback from NBA executives were, you know, be a better scorer. I think they've seen that. They they know what he can do as far as scoring. He's a really good scorer. I don't think they need any more validation of that. But w- when it comes to like AP lists and things like that, I do think you have to be the guy that is, you know, dropping 19, 20 points a game to a certain extent. I do think I the one thing I think will really help him is if Louisville can excise some of those demons we've been talking about, about blowing games late, that is what Louisville was known for nationally in the past 12 months. And if he can showcase the ability to get them out of those jams in high pressure, high profile situations, I think that could, you know, kind of compensate for any kind of drop off in, 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 in scoring points yeah. and, and sort of the narrative of him being this junior leader who came back and, and, uh, you know, when he didn't have to for the team. Yeah, I agree with that. I think what you want for him is, is the kind of the PJ Washington story. Yes, completely agree. Completely agree. All right, Chris. Last one. What is the end result of this Louisville season? Um, as far as like record wise, I think when I was going through yesterday, I had him at twenty five and six, twenty six and four in between there somewhere. I'm trying to think of the losses. Uh, what was it? Oh, the over under was twenty three and a half. We should have tossed that in. Yeah, we should have. It was, it would. I mean, I think somewhere right around there. 26 wins. Um, I'm trying to think of the losses. Like I said, I had them sweeping Virginia. Um, <laughs> I had them losing to Syracuse at home. I kind of already said that. Um, at Florida State, maybe a game where I could see them dropping towards the end of the season. So that's mm-hmm. two right there. Right now, I will call Kentucky a loss um, just because 
yeah, recent history <laughs> it should lead you to believe that so that's three right there and then i yeah. mean there's three you could pick up randomly at duke's not going to be a cakewalk obviously even if you think duke's down um at pittsburgh you know that could be a game that that's a little tricky this year more so than it has been um so i mean three there i, I think easily than three somewhere along the way um i would say somewhere on that seed line of last number one um highest number two somewhere somewhere right around there is, is kind of my envision i i think for louisville i would love to see an extended acc tournament run because i think there's a very very good chance that they they have a, a, a an opportunity to go and win the acc tournament and their success in the acc tournament hasn't been something we've seen a lot so that would be something that i would really love to see um uh, from this i season. completely agree with you um on, on that acc tournament thing that's that to me is an important time and I, um I don't know. I, I, I've I've already heard sort of some people say that they're planning on going to the ACC tournament this year, and I think uh, I think this will be a pretty well attended ACC tournament by Louisville fans um, compared to some years past. So I, I I think it would be great for for that team to to honor that by having an extended run, making the final, winning the whole damn thing. Yeah. that type of deal. I, I I think that would be really great. So I'm with you there. I think that's going to be a very important week week for this team. Um, Ken Palm has them at 25 and 6, and I think that's where I'm going to go, Chris. Uh, do we agree that they'll be undefeated going into the UK game? I think so. I feel um, pretty good about I'm looking that. looking at Bar I was trying to figure How do you say his name again? Yeah, Bartovic. Bartovic. I, yeah, I think that sounds a lot better than what I said. Um, I use him as another, like, you know, kind of tool to Ken Palm. Um, percentages wise they you know kind of the toss-up games texas tech is 62 percent um win for louisville um mm-hmm. has them favored by three and a half points um michigan eight 78 percent um the only other game that's a little bit interesting in that slate is western kentucky before michigan that to me would actually be a little bit more concerning before but other than michigan because it's at a neutral site and it's before michigan um so it could be kind of a semi-trap game that's an interesting point yeah because i was actually thinking that i almost i feel worse i feel less confident about michigan than i do texas tech for some weird reason uh, I, I i don't know I, I i'm not a huge believer in michigan but you know either way i, I just I, think you've got new energy i can completely see a coach kind of revitalizing that team yeah. and there's I don't, I don't know man you know they're going to be plugging it down the throats like this is the team that you're you know the people before you, right, you know, beat right. but got robbed by the refs that type of thing that that's going to get shut but down yeah, so, I mean, this guy has them in an underdog in only four games um at virginia to end the season by a point and a half at duke two points and a half at Notre Dame, which is kind of a curious one by Whoa. one. Huh. Yeah. Um, and then at Kentucky by two. Um, the other ones you would think. But yeah, um, at Duke would be the least chance to win at 41%. Um, and then Kentucky, 42%. So those are some interesting numbers. But yeah, I, I think I would tend to agree with you. Um, there's always a tendency as a Louisville fan to me to, to, to say that they get beat by, uh, by a team they shouldn't, particularly yes. in December. But yes. You know, there's not a lot of some of these teams that they're playing in November are just bad, really yes. bad. Like, I mean, Akron is is one ten um, in Kim Palm, and all the others are, are three hundred, with the exception of Indiana State. They're they're in the hundreds too, but there's some really bad teams. Um, so yeah, 
Um, yeah, I think I think if Louisville gets to Kentucky undefeated, that bodes really well for kind of taking care of business. Because I mean, that's you know they they play Pittsburgh weirdly, yeah, kind of randomly there. I think that's just you know some good teams that they play along the way. Um, and man, that Kentucky game would be so big if both teams are undefeated going into it. That could be a one versus two. Yeah. Um, so I, I I I sort of feel I just I don't know I I get the feeling that. They're gonna they're gonna go into Kentucky undefeated, you know. Maybe they win. It's a fifty fifty shot, and then coming out, you're right. Like you know, maybe they lose. You know, away to Notre Dame, I could see that happening, or they lose away to Pittsburgh. Yeah, I, I, I think the stretch of home against Florida State, home against Miami, away against Notre Dame, away against Pitt. I think there's a loss in there somewhere. Yeah. That's that's you. right after Kentucky. Um, it just you know that that seems to me very much. Those are both Saturday Tuesday setups too. So um, I'm with you on that. I, th- I think those are good points. Yeah. Um, how far is this team going in March Madness, Chris? I, I think the expectation should be Elite Eight. That's kind of where I've settled. I in. think. I mean, I think the expectation should be Final Four, but I'm I I, I feel like I feel like something weird is going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> you feel I, like something I, I weird's it. gonna I happen. What do you mean? Go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm just saying you you feel like something weird's gonna happen. What do you what do you mean exactly by that? I think this I think the worst thing that happened to this team last season, I mean this sincerely, is losing to to Minnesota. Yeah. I I, ju- I just think that getting to the second weekend would have been so big. And, and I mean, you saw it in 2012. They made the Final Four when they shouldn't have made it, and that set the platform. It's like building—you're building steps to the to the national championship. I always feel—I mean, it was so weird to see Virginia win the national championship after losing in the first round because it it, it always feels like you're building the steps to get to that point. Yeah. Okay, you made it to the second weekend. Now you feel good about making it to the third. Um, if they had made it to the second weekend, if they'd made it to the Sweet 16, I would have feel I would feel a lot better about saying they're a Final Four team. But I don't I don't feel that way. I feel like this team gets tripped up by an upstart in the Sweet 16, or maybe can't figure it out against a very very good team in the, in in the Elite Eight. Well, that just that's what this reeks of to me. I mean, to to me. This team not getting to the second weekend will be a colossal disappointment. Oh yes, and I don't think I don't I I don't I'm not projecting that. I yeah. just there's there's a hesitation I have on being gung ho on being a Final Four team, but I do think that should be the goal of it. It's been kind of interesting to me that I mean it happens every year. We always talk about how much guard play is in NCAA tournaments um, mm-hmm. and, and things like that. But something people haven't said about this Louisville team is that. If Darius Perry emerges as a defender, we think he can. Louisville has something that a lot of teams don't have, and that's a guy that can slow down those terrific guards. So I think yeah. that's something to consider when you look at this team and you say they have all these questions at guard. Well, 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 how about that? I mean, Kentucky has the same thing. They have a guy in Ash Nagins who can slow those things. And I think those guys can take you just as far in March as those elite scoring options at point guard. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I, I think it's good for us to say, you know, set some set some kind of ground rules that, you know, obviously this this team bows out in the first weekend. Um, we're we're going to have some some pretty hard conversations. Yeah, that's, um, I, I think we can agree there okay. that this is a second weekend team at minimum and um, a failure would be a first weekend exit. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I think uh, we're ready to play that some was basketball. Fun, Chris. That was, that was <laughs> we we went long. We, co- we covered a lot of things. Uh, we we, we got covered very a lot. This was a really good episode. Uh, any anything before we close it out? No, man. Um, you know, tomorrow is going to be a hell of a day for a lot of it's reasons. It's going to be a hell of a day. It's going to be really interesting. If you're still listening, please join us on the Twitch stream. I think our plan, Chris, is. To have sort of an intro, maybe 15 minutes before the game starts, do something at halftime, and then do some wrap-up at the end of the game, and then from there, come back and talk about the election maybe every 20, 30 minutes for for a period at a time. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've got a few guests lined up. There'll be some surprises, I'm sure, and hopefully it will work. (laughs) That's my biggest concern. Yeah, we're we're just hoping it goes as well as it possibly can. There's always going to be some... Silly that bullshit that, that happens um, that I'm just, you know, going to accept right now. But we're excited. <laughs> um, we, we hope you join us. And with that, we'll close it out. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And go cards and, and go vote if you were listening to this. Go vote. All right, guys. Take care.